Welcome to the Draw, where we're friendly facing for suggest down. Let's have a cigar. Yo. First clip. If I couldn't make a commitment to do that in the future, uh, the way I, I think I have to do it, um, I thought maybe this was the right time based on those two sets of circumstances uh, that, um, like I said, there's never a good time, uh, but I thought maybe this was the right time. So there's no, there's no illness, it's just the grind and the gruel of the season. Yeah, there's no illness, Miss Terry's fine, I'm fine, um, but it was the, can you sustain the season, you know, from just a, a mental grind standpoint. Um, and I, you know, when I was young, you know, I could work till two in the morning, get up at six and be there the next day and be full of energy and go for it. But when you get a little older, that gets a little tougher. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Dude, I don't think people really understand how much of a grind being a coach at the college or professional level is, dude. Like. I used to walk through the, the, the building over at Sanford University, man, and some of these guys would be in there from 6 a.m. all the way till 11, midnight, 2 a.m. So to see a guy like Sabin, the last guy you'd expect to kind of be ground down by that whole lifestyle, I really think that the love of the game is what keeps guys like Saban going. I think a lot of guys... I mean, damn, man. It's, uh, I was real sad when I saw that Saban was retiring from Bama. And what was it? In a matter of days, and we'll get into it, but Saban, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, all in the course of like 48 hours, bro. I don't think I've ever seen coaches of that magnitude all parting ways with their organizations in such a short time period. So, you know, uh, Deion Sanders had this to say about Saban leaving. He said, wow, college football just lost the GOAT to retirement. Wow, I knew it would happen one day, but not this soon. The game has changed so much that it changed the GOAT, chased the GOAT away. College football, let's hold up our mirrors and say, honestly, what you see. So, I don't think it was any secret that Saban wasn't jiving with the NIL era. There was an article that I was reading that actually was talking about this. And um, it said, Saban keeps complaining about NIL. That's why he's going to Washington next week as part of the ongoing effort to get Congress to clean up the mess that was made by years of corruption and plain sight antitrust violations by the NCAA, which extended from not paying players for their efforts to preventing them from getting paid by others. Saban wants to eliminate the advantage that schools in bigger and richer cities and or with bigger and richer alumni bases will have when it comes to pooling money for NIL collectives. He basically wants an NIL salary cap so we can go back to using a silver tongue to charm recruits and their family members into securing prime commitments with all other things being equal. So 
this was back, I think, in June before the season. And I've talked about this a hundred times with, with people. The NCAA, they've got to get a hold on things or else they're not going to be the power that, that is in college sports anymore. And they hired a guy named Charlie Baker who was a, a politician before he took the role of president with the NCAA, succeeding Mark Emmer. So, you know, was the NIL era responsible for Saban retiring from Alabama? I think yes. I think there's a lot of pressure on Saban to change the way he is doing things. And like that article said, you know, one of the best recruiters to ever do it. And I think this era of name, image, and likeness, right, the ability for players to get paid is, it's changing things. So I wasn't really surprised after thinking about it that Saban's on the way out. So, you know, a hell of a career, six national titles. Don't think there's ever been a better coach Period. I think Saban's the GOAT in all levels of football. Guy had 44 first-round picks in his tenure at Bama versus 29 losses. You think about that. 15 more first-rounders than losses. So, I mean, it's a shame. They just announced that Kellen DeBoer... The University of Washington's head coach is heading in there to take the reins at Bama. So I think a lot of people were surprised. I think there were a lot of names getting thrown around. I know Dan Lanning was one of those. Lane Kiffin was another. And Emma made a quick move. And you've seen a couple of these Bama and New England move on fast and, and fill those spots. And, and we'll talk about Valachek a little bit later. In this segment, Kidding, we'll cover the topics from the week that are controversial, questionable, or shit that I otherwise disagree with. In other words, you're kidding. Tennessee Titans hot, fired, not hired, the opposite of hired, they fired Mike Vrabel this past week, which raised a lot of eyebrows, mine included. Vrabel suggested the hiring of a new GM, Rand Carthon, that he was not, Vrabel felt that this guy was not ready for the job. And the owner of the Titans, first name's Amy, Amy, I can't remember her last name, disagreed with him. And so there was apparently a lot of tension in the Titans front office. Now, the thing that really raised my eyebrows, and I kind of got in and in the in the weeds on this to, to really figure out why the Titans wanted to fire Vrabel, who I can't remember his, his win-loss record from the date he was hired to 2019-2020, but it was a really solid coaching tenure. And then in the past two years, three years, he's he does have a losing record. But 2021 NFL Coach of the Year, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans, 
I just I, I don't know if their owners operating from a place that's gonna put that organization uh, in a position to succeed long term, making decisions like this, right? You obviously got to see what all young Will Levis is gonna do as his career unfolds. I think Tannehill's just watched, washed, totally washed. But you know, I, I just a guy like Vrabel. You hear stories about. Like Bill Belichick was talking about him at a presser years ago, and 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 he was saying how this guy would literally jump in on scout team defense when he wasn't supposed to, right? So you think about the Patriots, one offense, their starting offense, Tom Brady, all of those guys. This is back in their prime dynasty era. Vrabel literally would say, no, nah, fuck that, I'm going in on scout team, just to piss Brady off, just to try him mentally. And apparently, according to Balachek, he would throw him off every time. But, you know, not just that, man. He's a gritty Ohio fuck, for lack of better words. And he actually had this to say after a game late in the season. Because it sucks to lose, Gentry. Uh, Trey, you ever need to show you anything? Uh, Did you have another thought or no? I'm just curious. Well, it, uh, it, it sucks. sucks. Losing. Mm-hmm. Awful. That's why I want to win. Losing fucking sucks. Have you ever heard a coach talk like that in a presser? This guy wants to win. And he's obviously, there's a lot of coaching vacancies in the NFL. About a quarter of the teams are needing a head coach, pending a couple of moves by the Patriots. I think the Patriots are the only team that have filled their vacancy so far. So, you know, you sit there and you think, like, why would you let a guy like that go? Truly, why would you let a guy like Mike Vrabel go? I hope he goes on to win Super Bowls on Super Bowls. And... A lot of people, a lot of folks were hoping that he would uh, fill that vacancy in New England. That vacancy has since been filled by Gerard Mayo, who is also a former Patriot, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, you know, it just sucks, man. Like, like I said, 2021 NFL Coach of the Year, and you're going to let this guy go because he went to New England to get enshrined in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I just don't get why the Titans ownership has to be so pissy, quite frankly, with this man. I, I just don't get it. This is a guy that you kind of let do what he needs to do and, and, and everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, he's had a losing record the last two years, last two seasons, but you gotta fill in the, the right personnel. And that starts with the GM. And so clearly, you kind of got to, as the owner, you kind of got to defer to the head coach on football stuff and say, hey, do you like this GM hiring candidate? Do you want to work with this GM? Because if there's a discrepancy between personnel and scheme, it's going to be really hard to sustain long-term success with a football organization. So it just seems like it wasn't the right fit. Seems like Vrabel's got a winning mentality, and the Titans don't. Next clip.
So this was after the University of Washington, uh, University of Texas college football playoff game after Washington beat the Longhorns. And these guys, I guess, ran down to a section of Texas fans and started talking shit after the game, saying, we run the South, we run the South, we run the South. My first question is, why are their coaches letting these guys like run down and talk shit? Like, don't they know that these people are from Texas and they probably got a fucking revolver 45 strapped to their waist? Like, kind of, what are we doing? Secondly, okay, I don't understand if, you know, University of Washington beat Alabama and they run down to the Bama fans and say, we run the South, we run the South. It's a SEC school. Last time I checked, Texas ain't in the SEC yet. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, what was the point of that? And then you go, you go and you lose in a national title game. You don't run the South. You're from Washington. 90% of the people in your state have blue hair. What are we doing? So I just, I don't know, man. I kind of, I kind of saw that clip, and I kind of thought, you know, you're kidding, you're kidding. You can't talk shit after the game. If anything, you got to talk shit when you're down in the game, and then go back and, and and get it. I don't know, man. Don't know who in the program allowed that. Don't know if those guys ever got disciplined because of that or not. I know. Our, if our guys did that in college, they'd be pushing plates at, at 5 a.m. across the football field the next morning with, with the old strength coach. So who knows? Maybe that's the reason they lost. Those guys were in the championship game. Maybe those guys were tired from plate pulls or some, plate pushes or something. I don't know. This next segment is called Dupe Approved. These are my personal picks from the week of major happenings and things that I otherwise approve of. Next clip. Um, there's so many fond memories and, and uh, thoughts that I you know, think about the Patriots and, and I'll always be a Patriot. I look forward to coming back here. Uh, but at this time, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to move on. And um, I look forward and excited for the future. Um, but always very, very appreciative of the opportunity here, the support here, uh, and, you know, the, what, Robert, what you've done for me. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. So, you read the reports all year long, growing discomfort between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, and it finally came to fruition. I know somebody at the Boston Herald broke that news a couple weeks before the season was over and everybody was kind of in shambles but it's it's reality now the goat of NFL football is finally stepping away from an organization that is probably one of the single greatest runs in sports history sad man sad and it's crazy that we're covering this on the damn first episode it's getting it's getting heavy a lot to unpack but you know, the Patriots filled that spot, I think, in less than 36 hours, right? Uh, 
former linebacker Gerard Mayo is coming in to fulfill the duties, and he becomes the youngest NFL coach at 37 years old. He's a bit younger than Rams coach Sean McVay. And I remember Gerard Mayo playing. That guy was part of the dynasty as a player. He was a dog. And hopefully he can do what Dan Campbell's been able to do in Detroit. Hopefully he can do what D'Amico Rise has been able to do in Houston as former players, former players for that are now coaching for the same team they played for. There's three of them. I think it's tough, man. I, I think unless Bill, and I think Bill Balachek will end up somewhere. I'm here in Atlanta. Falcons are the front runner for him right now, which means he probably won't go there or end up being there. But, you know, it's 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 hard, man. It's it's hard because you're going to have a lot of Balachek naysayers who say that Brady's the only reason that they went on this run of dominance. Brady was the secret ingredient. Brady was the special factor. I don't buy that. I think Balachek's one of the greatest to ever do it in the sport, not just in the NFL. So it's it's tough to call, man. Uh, I hope he gets a he will get a shot somewhere else unless he chooses to retire. It's a little different than Saban, who I wouldn't be surprised if that that old psychopath ended up coming back and coaching again, kind of like a Brady style comeback. But it's it's tough to see. Speaking of tough to see. Pete Carroll also left the Seattle Seahawks parting ways mutually. So um, here's a clip from his presser uh, as he exits the Seattle Seahawks. The dedication and the loyalty, it's the freaking juice. It's bringing it. And I asked a lot of them, and uh, they were good at it. And I appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm so heartfully sorry for the families. Um, Y'all don't realize how, how deep this runs. Um, you know, it's just going next coach, next staff, what's going to happen, what's the future and all that. There's people in this thing. And uh, it breaks my heart that um, so many people get get shocked and adjusted and surprised and all of that. But that's, that is what happens. And that's part of this business and part of a lot of businesses. It's not, not unique just to us. Damn, man. That clip gets me kind of choked up every time I see it. You imagine how many hours these guys put in. Kind of what I mentioned at the beginning of the show. The amount of human connections you make. Football is such a beautiful sport, man. It, I mean, you, you build lifelong friends. I'm at a loss for words on that clip because you can, I mean, you can hear the emotion in his, in his voice. It's, it's a tough thing. And, 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 you know, here's the thing too. The Seahawks really didn't have that tough of a season this year. They were they were in the mix for the playoffs week 18. Now, Pete Carroll's uh, older. He's going to remain involved within the organization in some capacity. But, you know, it's sad to see one of the coaching goats, quite frankly. I don't think Carroll gets mentioned enough in the conversation of coaching goats. This guy won a national title as a college coach. He won a national title, or sorry, a Super Bowl in the NFL. There's not that many coaches that have done that. In fact, I, I can't even think of any other coaches who have done that. There might be, but I could get behind a guy that cares that much, a coach that cares that much. 
I'd love to play for a guy. I would have loved to have played for a guy like Pete Carroll. Somebody that cares about the people, right? Uh, I, I definitely played for coaches that just care about the X's and O's. And it just helps you as a player play that much harder when you know your head man cares like that. It's, like I said, man, I get, I get choked every time I watch that clip. So, that's all I got to say about that. Next clip. Mar, you go first. Who's going to the Super Bowl, an AFC, NFC team? Uh, anybody but the Chiefs. Anybody but the Chiefs. I love it. T, what about you? I'm going I'm to I'm keep it in a division, and I'm going to go Ravens. Okay. What about NFC? Uh, either uh, I got Cowboys or 49ers. Cowboys or Niners. I love it. Uh, Jamar Chase. Everybody want that to see. <laughs> Dude, I love Jamar. Jamar is, um, Jamar is telling it like it is. Okay, don't nobody want to see the damn Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Don't nobody want to see Mr. Pfizer in the Super Bowl. Don't nobody want to see Taylor Swift sitting up there in the box, acting like she knows what the hell's going on. Don't nobody want to see Brittany Mahomes next to her, screaming in a tone that bothers everybody around her. Yes, I'm speaking from my inner child, my inner Bengals fan, when I say this, that this clip on the first episode of this beautiful podcast is dupe approved. This segment I like to call, That's Fire. This is an aggregation of the dumbest clips on the internet that I found in the past week. Here we go. <laughs> so apparently in Las Vegas, Nevada, a court proceeding occurred where the defendant wasn't too happy with whatever decision was made. The funniest part about this video to me is that there's absolutely no context. There's zero. This guy literally flew through the air like Troy Palomalu on a QB sneak, dude. I don't know, man. That shit's goofy as hell. I bet that boy got life off of that or some shit. I don't know what you, what do you even get off of a damn uh, judge assault charge, dude. I can't, dude. <laughs> Next clip. So I woke up, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday morning of, of last week, and all I saw on Twitter were underground Jews. That's their words, not mine. And so I looked into it a little more, and this is what a news outlet, ABC7 Chicago, had to say. A historic Brooklyn synagogue that serves as a center of an influential Hasidic Jewish movement, don't know what Hasidic is, was trashed this week during an unusual community dispute that began with the discovery of a secret underground tunnel and ended in a brawl between worshipers and police. 
The conflict erupted in the global headquarters of the Chabad Lubavitch movement in Crown Heights, a deeply revered Jewish site that each year receives thousands of visitors, including international students, religious leaders, okay, don't care. On Tuesday, the synagogue remained closed off by the police, barricades, the New York City building, safety agents expected whether a tunnel dug without official permission may have caused structural damage to the famed property. When the hell did they create an underground, I don't even know what to call it, tunnels are, I guess that's the word. <laughs> but um, I guess they were, they were in dispute with the cops, the, the members of the synagogue. And uh, there was a clip going viral on Twitter or X uh, this week with a, a cop that uh, said, we don't, do, we don't do that here in America. Italian dude. Look at his hair, dude. Look at his hair. Look at his mannerisms, dude. Look at him, dude. Dude, he's got the full part. He's got the damn pomade in this shit. Dude, I. I at first, I didn't understand why that clip was going viral, uh, but after watching it a couple times, I'm just sitting here like, Italian, dude, it's Italian. Anyway, man, I don't know. Uh, that's that's more of a viral moment of the week, but I also thought it was kind of fire. I don't know, dude. Next clip. So Conor McGregor's been dropping some videos recently since the fight with Michael Chandler in April was announced. It's not going to be at UFC 300, but I guess McGregor's kind of taking this narrative of I'm going to party hard and still whoop your ass while you're sitting in the sitting in the gym. Um, it's kind of a weird angle. I, I don't know. Cole, what do you think, dude? You think that's a weird angle? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's... I get it. Like, if you're trying to... It's a, it's a different way to get in someone's head, right? Like, Connor's on top. He's been on top forever, it seems like. And a lot of people are calling this a comeback. And, and Chandler's good, dude. That He kind of... It looks like sometimes he puts his head down and kind of swings wide on some shots. And, and Connor's a sniper, so he might be able to find his chin and it'll be really interesting to see i don't know if vegas odds are released yet or not on the fight but dude just a i think it's kind of a fire angle to talk shit i feel like a big part of connor's game is getting in the opponent's head and i think i saw a video or a tweet that like connor reposted and it was like it was just a screen grab of of whoever's phone on Connor's page just refreshing it, refreshing it, like swipe it up, swipe it up. And they said, this is Chandler refreshing McGregor's page in real time as he's posting these things. So I don't know, man. I'm excited for April. We'll see. But yeah, dude, that I thought that was fire. Next clip. Oh, 
Dude, I spent a longer time than I should have, an embarrassingly long time looking at who the hell this was playing steel guitar like that. I mean, I'm wrapping the show with this clip because it's probably my favorite thing I've seen all week. Whenever some damn steel guitar comes in on a country and western song, dude, Goosebumps. You know what I'm saying? That's like good juice, dude. That's fire. So, that's how we'll conclude the show this week, boys. We'll see you next week. Love you. Appreciate your support. Make sure you comment on the video. Let me know what you think.